So today, we celebrate the greatest day in the history of mankind. Amen. 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 And I'll close in prayer with the story of that said. But here's the question. Why is this true? Why is this the greatest day in the history of mankind? Why are the churches more crowded on Easter than they are any other Sunday of the year? So why is this the great day of the Christian faith? He is risen. He is risen, Ralph says. He is risen. But he is risen, so what does that mean to us? What's the significance of a risen Lord? That's what we're going to talk about today. You know, for a lot of people, the reason the churches are so crowded on Easter is out of tradition. Tradition. It's, it's a day where a lot of people, including Christmas, Christmas and Easter are a couple of days that a lot of people say, you know what, we should probably go to church today. And I confess, that's what I was raised with. I was raised in the Lutheran church, and just like my grandkids have their little bonnets and everything, my sisters had their little Easter bonnets on, and I had to put those uncomfortable clothes on with the clip-on tie. Does anybody remember the clip-on ties? So, and, and, you know, I, I sat through countless Easter services just praying it would end, yeah. right? And if my, if my mom ran out of Lifesavers, we were in trouble. <laughs> you know, she had those, those rolls of those fruit-flavored Lifesavers, and I was always hoping to get that pineapple one. But it was, it just, you know, you just couldn't wait for it to be done. And to be honest, Easter to me was more, the most important thing was chocolate eggs and the $5 gift I got from my grandma every year. She always gave us a card with a $5 gift. The cards, she was a very faithful woman, but I don't remember ever reading the card. I just got to the $5. <laughs> so this, this, for a lot of people, it's tradition. So I want to talk a little bit about why it is so important to all of us, why this is a big deal, and why it's so significant. So I'm going to set it up here with a few verses first, and then we'll get into a specific text for today. But look at this from 1 Corinthians 15. It says, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So, so what he's saying here in the, in the Word of God, it says, if there's no resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have no gospel. We have no good news. We, we have really, our, we have, our faith is useless, it says. And, and we're, we're living on empty hope. That's what he's saying here. And so really, brothers and sisters, Christianity would be like all the other false religions. All the other false religions... You can go visit their gods. You know why? Because they're still in the tomb. You can go visit Buddha's tomb. You can go visit Muhammad's tomb. You can't go visit Jesus' tomb because he's not in a tomb anymore. So the point is, is that he's saying that if this isn't true, really our faith is useless. I would add this to it. There would also be no proof that Jesus' sacrificial death was accepted by God the Father as atonement for our sins. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we have no evidence that God accepted his atoning work on the cross. And that would mean, beloved, we are still dead in our sins. Are you with me? And so, so, so that's why it's so significant. And let me add this. It says right here in this word is our preaching is useless, a waste of time. We should all just go on in this life, uh, in this fallen world, and make the most of it. We might as well sleep in on Easter Sunday. In fact, we might as well sleep in on every Sunday. So it's kind of a big deal, this resurrection of Jesus. 
Let me show you this, encourage you with this verse. It says, praise be to the, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Isn't that good news? So, so the reality is, is this, is that for all of us here that are truly born again, we know that Jesus has been raised from the dead, right? We know he's been raised from the dead because he lives within us and he lives through us. We don't have blind faith, we have undeniable faith. We know that he is risen because he lives within us and our lives have been forever changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I know some of you sitting here are not in the family of God yet. You may be here out of tradition like I was for a lot of my life. But the reality is, for all of us that have been saved, there was a time in our life where we were convicted by our sinfulness. There was a veil opened up. Up until that point, I would say I was good enough. I wasn't as bad as some people. I think when I die, I'm going to get to heaven. At least I hope I'm going to get to heaven when I die. I think I'm a pretty good person. Those were the kind of things I said. But on that day, the veil was removed, and I saw that I was a desperate, depraved sinner. And so at that point, that's God's miraculous work. And at that point is, is when we cried out and we asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior and we surrendered our life to him. We got off the throne of our lives and we, and we let Jesus start to lead and guide our new life in Christ. And so that's what's so important about the resurrection. We know we're sitting here and we're born again is that this, this is all true. It's not blind faith, as I said, it's living faith. Hey, Nick, Welcome. Should I start over? Yeah. yeah. So now we know that Christ lives in us. We know that we're children of God. We know we're citizens of heaven. We serve as his ambassador. And all of life changed for us at the moment. Listen to this. It's not about religion for us. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's not about following a denomination. It's not about being good little people and going to church on Sunday. It's not about how we pray over our meals. That's all a bunch of stuff. It's about a relationship with the personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He's alive. We love Him. He lives in us and through us. That is the call of the Christian. And I pray that's true for all of you. And it says here, this great inheritance is kept in heaven for you. This is living hope. So we say today with great boldness, He is risen. He is risen. risen That's what we proclaim. So now we're going to get into another piece of Scripture here, and I'm going to uh, deepen this truth a little bit. I wanted to set it up with that. We're going to get into a little text here and go a little deeper. You want to go a little deeper? Okay, we're going to go deeper. So if you open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians... Chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. They're either in the pews or I'm going to put the verses up here for you. And our brother Brent's going to open the word for us this morning. Here's, the, here's what we're going to be looking at. Oops, I forgot to give you this visual aid on that. You did good without it, though. So here's the text we're going to look at. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Feel free to open your Bibles to follow along. Come on up, Brent. Brent's a dear brother who I've spent some time with recently. I love this brother dearly and this is his first time up here, so give him a little love. Give him a little love. And please, please stand for the reading of God's Word. 
But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not proceed will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Brent. Let's pray together, brothers and sisters. Father in heaven, we thank you for just this glorious day. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you that it's the the day of the celebration of the resurrection Sunday, the the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, we're, we're awed by this truth. And Father, now we just pray as we open your word, we just pray that you'd be present in this place, that the Holy Spirit would have its way with everyone in this place. We pray that those that are not saved would surrender their life to Christ today, and those that are saved would be encouraged by this, this word of God. We love you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me just give you a little historical setting here, and then we'll, we'll jump into the text. But the Thessalonian church the Thessalonian church was relatively a new church. They were relatively new believers. Now, they had been instructed by Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he had been telling them a lot of great things about God and about Jesus. He taught them that, that Jesus has come to earth and he lived a sinless life, and they taught him about the fact that he died on the cross for their sins. And then he also told them that Jesus rose from the dead and that Jesus would return and he would gather up all the believers. Are you with me on this? And so the Thessalonian church says, wow, this is a great message. You know, they're, they're born again. They're all fired up about this. But the, here was their concern. What happens to those that had already died in Christ? Do, do they get resurrected? Do they get left out? Do they get a different type of resurrection? They were confused about what happens to those that are dead in Christ. And so that's the question they're asking Paul. And that's what he's answering here. So what we're going to see here as we look through this is we're going to see in a deeper way the power of the resurrection and the power of the life. So that's what he's addressing. So he starts off, they're all worried about those loved ones that are in the graves. And he says, but he says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep. Do you see that? About those who are asleep. What, see, this is a great message of comfort. He wants to comfort them. He wants to bring them peace because they're worried about those that had died. So that, that's the motivation of this message. And, and he's, he's saying, let me share, share with you from the Word of God, God's revelation, the truth about those who have died in Christ. And the first truth he tells them is they're sleeping. Do you see that? He doesn't say they're dead. He says, those who died in Christ are not dead, they're sleeping. Now, here's the truth I'm going to prove to you this morning, I hope. As he says they're sleeping, and what he means is that the bodies that are dead are sleeping in the graves. 
but the soul and the spirit have been instantaneously brought up into the presence of Jesus Christ. Full conscience, full awareness, full who, who they are, except they're even better than whoever you are right now, because whoever you are as a, as a person in your soul is then glorified. So their glorified souls live in the presence of Jesus Christ. All that they are without their bodies. Sometimes I wouldn't mind leaving my body behind. I don't know about you all, but... but but they leave their bodies behind and they go to the presence of the Lord. And he's saying they're, they're, they're not, they're, their bodies are not dead. They're just sleeping and their souls have been resurrected and glorified and they're in the presence of the Lord. I don't want you to believe me. I'm going to show you some more verses to prove this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul's saying, I'd prefer to be away from my body. I'd prefer to be dead in the world's terms, so that my soul can be in the presence of Jesus Christ. Absence from the body is presence with the Lord. He, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, he said, he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. His body didn't go to paradise on that day. His body was left asleep, but his soul, his spirit was resurrected at that moment and went to be in the presence of the Lord. And the third one was, uh, Paul also said, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. So when believers die, their bodies sleep while their souls go to be with Jesus. Isn't that good news? Amen. The power of the resurrection. So he continues, he said, so I don't, I, I'm trying to comfort you here. I don't want you to be uninformed. I want to teach you something about the word of God, brothers and sisters, those who are asleep. And he continues, that you may not grieve as the others do who have no hope. Do you see that? What's he talking about? Are we not to grieve those that die? We're supposed to grieve. He's not talking about that kind of grief. It, in fact, Jesus grieved over the death of Lazarus, right? He wept as Lazarus was in the tomb. And we're commanded in Romans twelve fifteen, weep with those who weep. We're supposed to weep when people die around us. That's a normal grieving process. Amen? So what is he saying? He says the kind of grief he's talking about, he's saying, I don't want you to grieve like those who grieve that have no hope. They have no hope. He's talking about that those who die that are not in Christ. Because that's a kind of grieving that is overwhelming. If you are in Christ here this morning, you know how hard it is. I've been to countless funerals where there's no evidence that those, person were, those people were saved. There's a heavy grieving to think that a loved one may spend eternity in hell and damnation. It's a grieving that's it's hard to comprehend. That's the grieving he's talking about. He doesn't want us to grieve like those who have no hope. Now in the Bible, you'll find three kinds of death. One is called spiritual death. We're all born spiritually dead. If any of you were born saved, we need to talk after the service. Because salvation comes, <laughs> we're born spiritually dead, and, and then at some point in our lives, I pray we are all born again and saved. The second kind of death, unless we're raptured, is physical death. We'll all probably face physical death unless Christ returns. But the third death is the one he's talking about. This is eternal death. Eternal separation from God. That's the one that brings the fear and trembling of the Lord into our hearts. And that's the one he's talking about. We don't grieve like them. 
We don't have to. If we've been saved, we don't grieve like that. Because we know that when we physically die, our bodies go to sleep, and we go immediately into the presence of the Lord. That's what he's talking about. So now he, he gives us the foundation of this belief, this foundation of this faith that we have as Christians. It says, for, for since we believe that Jesus died. Do you see that? He, he's telling us why we have this living faith within us, why we have this hope, why we don't grieve like those who grieve, who, uh, who face eternal separation from God. It's because, first of all, Jesus died. Jesus died. Now, why, did, why is that important that we believe that? Because here it is, we all know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the penalty for sin is death. And we also, I pray, we all know that there's no way we could ever make right what we did wrong in our sinfulness with a holy and righteous God. We just can never make up for the things we've done. And, and if you're with me, my problem is, is not what I've done, but what I continue to do. So we continue to sin, right? Maybe not, hopefully not what we used to sin, but we still sin against God, and we realize there's no way we're ever going to be paying that debt. But the debt had to be paid, and the debt was paid through Jesus Christ. He, when he went to the cross, all the sins of the world were poured out upon Jesus, all the sins of the world, all the past, all the present, all the future sins of your sins and my sins were poured out upon Jesus Christ, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It is through believing in the atonement, the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that one is saved. You, 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 say, you have to say, you get to that place, so you know what, I know there's no way I can make this right with God. I have to fully trust in what Jesus did and believe in what he did and, and, and surrender my life to Christ, and then you're born again and you become a new creation in Christ. So first he's saying the reason all this happens to us when we die is first because we believe in the power of the atoning work of Jesus Christ's death. Are you with me, everybody? You sure? Yeah. All right. So then he says, that's the first thing we believe, but we also believe that he rose again, which is what we're celebrating today. He rose again. Here's a picture for you. On the cross, as you know, Jesus said it, to his father, he says, it is finished, right? It is finished. What does he mean by that? Everything that God gave me to do, my father gave me to do, I finish it. I came and lived a perfect, sinless life. I raised up the apostles to continue the work after I go to heaven. And then I went to the cross and took the sins of the world upon me. It is finished. But then, here's the beautiful thing, the way I picture this. On the third day, he rose from the dead, and God the Father said, Yes, son, it is finished. It is finished. Well done, my son. Because, see, the resurrection was evidence that, yes, you did finish the mission. Your atoning work was satisfactory, and that is why you rose from the dead. That is evidence that it's undeniable proof that he defeated Satan, he defeated sin, and he defeated death on the cross. And that's what it is by, I believe that he died, I believe that he rose again. So because we believe this, we believe that Jesus died and paid for the atoning work for all the sins, our sins, 
and we believe that God rose him from the dead so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So now we believe as we face physical death, our body sleeps and our souls immediately go to be in the presence of the Lord. So are we righteous? Is that why we go to heaven? Are we good people because we go to church, because we do good things? Is that why we're going to heaven? No, we go to heaven because we're declared righteous. We're covered by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sinfulness. He sees the work of his son on the cross. That's how one is saved. So he continues here, it says, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him, bring with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep. Now he goes back to his main point about those who have died. So just as Christ died and rose from the dead, he will return. He will return. That's what he's saying here. And here's a beautiful thing. Do you picture this? He says when he returns, he's bringing all of those glorified souls of all the saints, that, all the believers that have died through the history of the church with him. Can you picture this? You don't just read these things over, brothers. You meditate on this. Can you picture this scene in heaven? How many loved ones do you have that are in heaven right now? Through your whole family history, there's people we don't even know of. Family, friends, loved ones. And of course, we all want to see some of the great saints of the past that have died. And here we go. And on that day, all of a sudden, here they all come with Jesus from heaven in glory. You know, I'll be looking for my grandma. You know, there's a lot of people I'll be looking for that, but there'd be millions of them. It's going to be a great family reunion, a family and friends that were saved. It's going to be a glorious event. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So he just tells them, he says, so even so, just as Christ died and rose from the end, Jesus will come back and bring with those who have fallen asleep with him, those glorified souls. <coughs> Excuse me. not COVID. So look at this. He says, for we do, this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. Do you see this? We're, all, we're doing great. You're just hanging in there. We're almost done here. But it says, for, for this, he stops to say, for this, look at what he says, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. He wants to make sure you know, this isn't my opinion. This isn't my theory of what's going to happen. This is a direct communication from the God of the universe to Paul to share with them and to share with us. This is not a theory. This is undeniable reality because it was given to him by God of what's going to happen to those that die in Christ. And then he continues, he said, so it's the word of God, not our word. By the way, is it as true for us today as it was 2,000 years ago? Yes, it is. Christ hasn't returned yet, but he will. And then look at this. He says that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. You see that? What else I love about this is Paul is always thinking he's going to be around for this. It's called imminent return. He always said, you know, when we're, he still thought, you know, maybe I'll still be here when Christ returns is how he always talks about it, that he'd still be there when we are here when Christ returns. Well, he wasn't there when Christ returned because Christ hasn't returned yet. But what a beautiful way to live our lives. Let me stop here and give you a little application point. If you talk to most Christians and say, do you think Jesus is coming back today? Well, not today. What about tomorrow? I don't, I don't think tomorrow. Soon, though. Soon. I think he's coming back soon. But the reality is Paul thought today was the day. 
And why is that so important? Because if we really believe today is the day, we're probably going to live this day a little differently if we think Jesus is going to return today. It's a great accountability, is it not? So that's the way Paul lived. He said, so he tells us that we who are alive, who are left until the coming Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. He's giving them comfort about those who have died in Christ, is that we will not, they, they will not precede those who have fallen asleep, those who are still alive when he comes back. They will be waiting upon them because here's the picture for you, is that that all at the, at the return of Christ, we'll get into a picture of that in a minute. So he comes back with all those glorified souls of all those Christians that have died beforehand. And then, I'll show you this in a minute, then the bodies of all those people that have died in Christ are resurrected and glorified and restored back with their glorified souls. Isn't that cool? So they're brought back together. And he said, that's going to happen first. You're all going to see that. You're going to be there if you're still alive. Or you're going to be part of it because you're going to be one of those souls in the bodies. I pray all of you are going to be there. And then they're reunited with these glorified bodies. He goes, that's what's going to happen first. Now let me just show you the picture he gives us here in the scripture. He says, for the, the Lord will descend from heaven with a cry of command. Do you see that? <clears throat> so what is his cry of command? It's very similar to what he said to Lazarus. When Lazarus was in the tomb, he said, come out, Lazarus. And Lazarus. Lazarus rose from the dead. And you've, I'm sure you've heard this before. The reason he had to say Lazarus come out of the tomb, because if he didn't say that, all the tombs would have, everybody would have come out. But when he comes back this time, he's calling the bride of Christ back. So he's going to say, my children or my church come out will be a command. And all those that have believed and died will be raised on that moment. You picture this? All these tombs opening up, all these bodies coming out, being glorified. It is beautiful. That's why clothes styles keep changing, because we'll all be still in style when that happens. It says, and so cry of command, he's going to call all the dead to rise. And then he says, with the voice of an archangel. Uh, we know of the archangel Michael in Scripture. The Jews, Jewish people believe there's at least seven archangels uh, that exist within heaven. These are the most powerful angels that there are. It doesn't say what, what, why there's a voice of an archangel. It doesn't tell us what they're saying. Uh, per, perhaps, this is my opinion, that it, it may be that they're speaking to Satan, the demonic army. So Jesus commands the bodies to raise, and then the archangel speaks to let Satan and demonic army know the end has come. Your checks do. That's my opinion. I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. And then it says there's a trumpet of God that is announced. doesn't say what that is either. That could be to call the nation of Israel to repentance, the beginning of it. We don't know. Regardless, here's what we do know. The entire world will know that Jesus has returned for his bride. No one will doubt that. Because they'll be raising from their tombs. And he says, look what he says here. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Those sleeping bodies will be raised up return to their glorified souls. Then it says, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. Do you see that? So we'll be, yeah, are you picturing this scene? So they're coming down, all these glorified bodies, all these bodies are raised up, they're reunited in the heavens, in the, in the air, with, with, their, with their glorified souls, and then we who are left, are glorified, 
and we go up to join them in the air, I'm looking forward to flying. <laughs> Tyler and I have talked about it. He said, do you think you're going to be flying? I said, yeah, I know I'm going to be flying that day. I think I'll continue to fly after that. There's a lot to look forward to, right? So don't you want to fly? I want to fly. But so we'll all be resurrected and glorified together, and we'll all be there, and it says we'll be with the Lord forever. We'll never leave the Lord from that day forward. We'll never be in the presence of sin again. We'll never be in the presence of death again. We'll never be in the presence of temptation. There will be no anger and fighting and discord. There'll be perfect unity. It'll be this wondrous new life that we'll have with Christ forever and ever and ever. And then he closes here with this, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. Let me come back to that. I'll just show you a couple more other scriptures. Look what he says here. He says, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. That's a promise right from Jesus Christ. Those who believe in me will live even though they die. And here's what else Jesus said. He says, let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what have I told you that? I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. This is where we're going. We're going to meet in the air, but then we go to be with Jesus in this place he's prepared for us forever and ever. And if Jesus built the place, I think it's pretty nice. I think it's pretty nice. Considering he created this whole world in six days, he's been working on this for a couple thousand years, it'll be a pretty nice place. But what makes it nice is the presence of the Lord and the absence of evil. So where are you at in all this? Have you... Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? Are you part of this eternal family of God we're talking about? Are you kind of stuck and not believing at all? Maybe you're believing in religion over relationship. Where are you at in this whole gospel scenario? I pray for you today. I pray for you if you've not come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that today is the day. He could come back today. He could come back tomorrow. And, and let me just say, brothers, I say this to you. I'm not interested in building the church. That's Jesus' job. I'm, I'm interested in saving souls from the eternal damnation of hell. I don't want any of you to be eternally lost in hell. I don't want anybody to face that kind of grief that he talks about in the Scripture. So I don't know what's holding you back. I don't know if the Spirit's prompting you. But I pray that today would be the day, if you're not saved, that you would surrender your life to Christ and be born again. Then you will know when you die, your body will sleep and your soul will be in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. It's a promise from God. It doesn't matter what I say, it matters what God says.